Hey everybody. So we have our uh, super thrilling administrative responsibility to have our annual general meeting today, which is uh, why we have Nick and Linda and their kids joining us, because Nick, as many of you would know, but some perhaps not, that Nick is our treasurer, um, and I meet with Nick pretty regularly. We try to do every week, but not always, but uh, so that's why these guys are here with us. We love them immensely. Uh, We pray that they will... Uh, join us again and leave wherever they went. Uh, um, uh, Nick is on the ministry team at Grace. Uh, so where we formerly were and we kind of started, Nick is part of their ministry team there and um, helps them out with their children's stuff and teaching stuff occasionally and also their finance stuff. So he's pretty helpful. Uh, and we have Colin and Gemma back. Yeah! Um, I wake up in the morning because I can track Colin. Ages ago, we shared our location with each other and just never turned it off. So when they're overseas, I kind of wake up every morning. I'm like, damn it, he's still there. Um, so the other day, I open it up and he's in Dubai. And I'm like, yes, uh, must be on his way home. So we're, we're thrilled to have you guys back with us again. We missed you. Um, Do you want to do a five-minute what what really impacted you? Or do you want to save it for another time when you've had time to think? Probably for me, uh, one of them was there's a guy called Adam Cox who's a pretty young guy about my age who... So pretty young. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm young young today. Colin's back. Nick's here. I'm a spring chicken. All you old farts.
for Jesus to be present in my workshop. And I started sharing Jesus' love with people. Um, things started to go from there. And it, like, ended up sort of connecting with like a wider range of his community. There's a guy who was a barista in a coffee shop who ended up just praying for people and saw them like, you know, like, the deck is the Holy Spirit film in a coffee shop and seeing the stuff that God was doing through them. So it was really, that was really cool to kind of go, the big, big plans to see the world change very much in God's heart, but also that daily like one-on-one going, these, you know, Jesus said God make disciples and getting to go, these are my disciples, these are the people who shape my life and, you know, intentionally shape each other's lives and seeing what God does through that. So I think that's probably, I mean, there's lots of stuff, but that's, that's one takeaway that I love. So. It's great. Amen. I guess we're done. <laughs> if I'd known you were going to share, I wouldn't have prepared anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to put it on the whiteboard. Yeah. Awesome. Do we have any other announcements? You can just transfer that to the church account and just label it as um, hampers. Then it'll be easy for us to see. So, Brooke, are you guys planning to build hampers to give to Mission Heart or just collect stuff to give to Mission Heart? Yeah, because I think it'd be fun for the kids yeah, okay. for us to be able to actually build them. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, it, just logistically, the chances of all the kids being involved on the day well, that Mission Hunt do it. Yeah, maybe if we can like choose, like pick a target and be like, we want to do this many hampers and this is what we need. So that would help us. Not right, we, not right now. We can post it to the, to the wall later. Yeah, so if we can find out. We're, we're going to get back to yeah, you. Yeah, I'll get back to you. Right. But um, so canned goods and food and stuff like that, but also toiletries. And if we can avoid crap stuff, no one, that's like giving people instant coffee. Like we don't drink that crap, so we don't need to do it to anyone else. So if we're going to be generous with hampers, let's buy nice stuff, not knockoff stuff. And you have an espresso machine. Shame on you. Awful. Um, we'll also, with the Christmas party coming up, 
Yeah, the work of the person. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And next week is backyard church. Yes. Totally forgot. We're going to have church outside. Assuming the weather's good, we're just going to have church outside because that's fun. Like, there's not anything. So there's no kids' church. No. If it's awful, then we won't do it. Like, if it's wet outside, then that would be a nightmare. Um, but if it, like, you know, look out the window, I'll probably put up an announcement of sorts. But uh, if it's not going to happen, uh, but we should plan to bring, like, a picnic blanket or something. Because the chances of me having finished the stage for the sandpit by next Sunday and us being able to do it there are slim, so it'll probably be in the backyard. It's better to be in the backyard anyway, it's gross. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for remembering that, Nat. Just one more date to throw out there. Um, a few of us earlier in the year went to a big joint worship night that a few different churches organised. Um, they hosted down at Castle Edge in um, Tuggers, Moniasa. Oh, down there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was a really, really super amazing night. There were like hundreds of people turned up. It was way more successful like, than anyone was anticipating. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, so they're um, they're trying to organise an end of year one for the 9th mm-hmm. of December um, out at Vision in Fishwick. Um, it's all being organised a bit last minute because Dave, the key guy who organised it, is in the middle of crazy um, doctor exams, basically, because he's training to be a GP. But so, if you're interested, um, come along. Yeah. So like last time was super successful and it's not a uh, who's who in the zoo. Like it was just run by people who love Jesus and want to serve. And basically my understanding is almost none of the senior pastors from around Canberra went because no one thought it was going to be a big deal. And then it was huge, uh, which I just think is fantastic. So it really was just <laughs> the work of the people. Yeah. It was people who wanted to serve, worship together without any of the agenda or politics or chest puffing. And uh, yeah. so I just think that that's fantastic. So. Yeah. So come along if you can. It is December, so people have every, everything in the world on in December, but it will still be fun. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. So like for the last three weeks, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> That was like a long enough gap to, it's like that awkward prayer moment and then you're like, amen, everyone. Uh, So last few weeks I've preached nice short messages today and we had longer worship and lots of input. I have a long message. It's the deal with that. So I will do my best to truncate that as we go along. So I'm going to jump straight into a verse in Philippians and then a verse in 1 Peter. So 1 Philippians 2 and 1 Peter 2. So in 1 Philippians... I can just, I love all the rustling of Bibles that happens there. Uh, therefore, my dear friends, the Nick brought, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, he's going to bring his iPad. It's only, 
it's one verse. I'm going to finish it before you get there. <laughs> Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That was 1 Philippians 2.12, but now I'm going to read from 1 Peter 2.1. Yes, Philippians. There's no 2 Philippians. <laughs> what? 1 Philippians 2.12. What? There's only one Philippians. Wait, there's only one Philippians. I copied this from somewhere and I must have added the one. That's a trick question. Um, yeah, I'm just in, uh, my my the notes are gospel now. I'm like that, that's where I'm at. Okay, so everyone enjoyed that verse from the uh, non-existent book of one Philippians. So now 1 Peter 2, verse 1, I'm recording this and I'm just going to chop that whole thing out. Uh, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all mockery of your pastor. No, it doesn't say that. Hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So these are two verses that talk about growing up in our salvation or working out our salvation. I really like the way the NLT version um, translates the, uh, the first of those verses. It says to show the results of your salvation. Like this idea of, of working out our salvation is to live out the transformation that that salvation brings. And the second verse there, it talks about craving pure spiritual milk. It talks about a hunger for the things of God. It talks about a hunger for having this, uh, not just input, but that outworking of what God is doing in your life. And that idea of the hunger there is the challenging part of that for me is I have a hunger for all sorts of things. And not all of them are working out my salvation. Some of them are just working on my weight gain. And I have a hunger for some things that are not so great for my thinking. And I have a hunger for things that make me stay up late at night. And I have a hunger for things that like it doesn't always work out the way I want it to. There are things that feed us, that diminish our fervor for God, that they feed us, they fill us up. Uh, and those are things, like there's, I have two lists of things that kind of work like that. And I think that I've experienced things from both of these lists that take away my hunger. Things like grief and suffering. I think that when you are in a crappy place, it's easy to desire the kingdom of God less because you're just tired. When you have despair or depression, or anxiety, or burnout, or trauma of some sort. It's easy to just say, to hell with all this. If there was a God, he would do more about this. And it diminishes that hunger. It takes away our desire for that pure spiritual milk, or for that that meat of, of what we are meant to be learning. But the other stuff is just simple. Like, I hunger TV. Uh, I don't know about you, but especially with things like Netflix, you, you, you can just make it keep going. That's, and that's great. Uh, I have a subscription to just about every possible service that there is because I'm super hungry for that. Now, career can do that if you have one. Uh, study can do that. Coffee can do that. I know that late at night when I'm sitting there and I'm going to bed every night, there's a moment where I think, I'm going to have a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> and I'm super happy about that. Uh, these are things that they fill us up. They quench our thirst and they quench our hunger. Uh, in James, 
4 verse 8, it says this really simple thing. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. There's something about in that there's a responsibility for us to draw near to God. And that then he responds to that because he doesn't want to force himself on us. So we come near to him and he comes near to us. But so often these other things get in the way and we stop drawing near to God and then we wonder where he is. I think that the, uh, the greatest environment that we have for growth is an environment of love and an environment of sacrifice, an environment of service, an environment where we're with people who are working out, who are showing the fruit and the example of their salvation daily. God wants us to be in an environment where we draw near to him, where we're encouraged to do that. I know that when I'm with Nick, it's an environment where we draw near to coffee. Uh, being with him encourages me to drink coffee. And in the same way, as believers, when we are together, we should be encouraged to pursue our salvation. We should be encouraged to get a hold of that milk or that meat. Because the church, what we are doing um, is not about building. And I've met with a bunch of pastors and said, I'd like our church to grow. And they all say, you need a real building. In the back of my brain, I'm like, I'm not trying to build a new building. Uh, We, that's not what I want. And I think that what we invest in is what will grow. And if we invest in a new building, you know, maybe we'll get more furniture. But what we want is to be invested in each other so that we will grow. We are the body of Christ. We are the the building of Christ. We are the, the blocks in that temple. And it's the Holy Spirit that indwells inside of us, the people, not the building. So the church is not a building or a weekly meeting It's a community of people, as we've been discussing in the last few weeks, rushing in unison together. To be in one accord is to rush together in unison, to be the body. And then collectively, when we are the body, we have a shared hunger. We cannot earnestly seek God without connection with other believers. When you take a coal out of the fire, it loses its heat. Like even Colin and Gemma, they travelled halfway across the world or probably even the whole way across the world to be with people who were hungry for the same thing. And together, they made a body. And they, and they drew near to God and he drew near to them. When God speaks in the scriptures, he always references himself as we and us and our. He's always collective. He's always community. He's always, um, that trinity is that he's not alone. He's never alone. He is one. And we were never designed to be alone. We weren't made in the image of God to be his image bearers in our purpose and in our nature. And it's in his nature to be one with one another. Which is why solitary confinement is a cruel and unusual punishment. Because to remove that connection, to remove the body from someone from a body like that, to remove them from any kind of intimacy is a cruel and unusual punishment because it is totally violates their nature as an image bearer of God. Relationship is core to who we are and it's core to who God is and what he wants for our lives. In Ephesians 2, 19 and uh, to 22, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets 
with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When we are part of this body, we become citizens with God's people. We are not foreigners and aliens. We are not asylum seekers or refugees. We are in. We become part of his kingdom. We are part of his, his family, which is the next one there. When we, when we join that citizenship, our nationality and our age and our gender and our social class and our race, even our sexuality or our um, level of education or our demographic and our wealth, none of those things matter anymore because we are part of a body, we are part of a kingdom and we are one. Outside the church, all of those things define in and out. Outside the church, your race will define in a lot of places if you are in or out. Your wealth will define in or out. Your level of education or your gender will define in or out. But in the kingdom of God, it does not work like that because we are one. When we become part of this kingdom, we also become part of a family. So a king lives up, you know, kind of above his people. In a, but in the kingdom of God, our king is completely different to that because he says, you're not just a citizen, you are a family member. You are an heir to my kingdom. You are a son and a daughter in the kingdom of heaven. And you are far more than just a citizen. You are family. When we do kingdom, what happens from kingdom is naturally is patriotism. And in a lot of places and a lot of churches even, in Christendom, they become patriotic about their piece of turf. It's the house and the body, and the, as in like they're the only expression anywhere. But that's not what God does. When we are family instead of just citizens, when we become family, we don't have patriotism, we have love. We have a deep sense of belonging to one another. Because I know that there are things that people are prepared to do on behalf of patriotism, but then it's a whole other level and the way they're willing to serve and sacrifice for family. When you become a Christian, you don't just become part of a kingdom and a citizen or a family member. You become literally a block that is built into the temple that houses the Holy Spirit. We fit together as blocks and we make a temple. Tim Keller said this thing, and I have quoted this a million times because I just think it's fantastic. He says, the spirit of God indwells the temple like blood indwells a body. The spirit of God indwells the temple like blood indwells a body. We are not only citizens and family members, but we are cemented together as the building blocks for the temple of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is all about that oneness and intimacy and connection, which is why the kingdom of God is all about reconciliation. Because it says we don't want you to be other. We don't want you to be out. We don't want you to be away. We want to have reconciliation. We want to have forgiveness. We want to have kindness and gentleness and self-control. All the stuff that is the working out of our salvation is about bringing people who are out in, reconciling the world into his kingdom and into his family and into his temple so that he may indwell. Community is about having a common unity. It's 
In uh, Hebrews 10, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is a real challenge to me because as a community that has deconstructed so much of the kind of big ideas that we've had in the last 10 years, the the real challenge in that deconstruction is that we could lose this. We could lose many together. We deconstruct and we say, no, 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 I just want to have lunch or I just want to hang out occasionally. And we don't gather as believers to work out our salvation. We just gather socially. It's really important that we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In Ephesians 5, it says that we would speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make music in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We need to experience one another's experience of God. We need, I need to see how CJ relates to God and what CJ hears from God. I need that. I meet with Nick, not just because he does our books, but because he helps me to see more clearly. I get to see what he sees as well as what I see. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The more we do oneness, the more we gather to spur one another on, the more we are in one accord, that we rush in unison together, the more we get to see of the Father because we get to see how each other see God. That's why this worship thing as a city is so beautiful because it's a group of people from all sorts of different little areas around Canberra coming together to say, let's celebrate God together and express something together as one. Let's learn from one another. In John uh, chapter 13, 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is shocking. A new command I give you. We've had like the entire history of Israel and then we have Jesus turn up and he's like, I need to give you a new command because you seem to have forgotten what's most important. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. And then in Acts it says the believers were together, not separate. They were together and they had everything in common selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone who had need. This is about community. This is about connection. And it's about humility as well, because so many people sit on the fringe of community and are not willing to say, I have need. Now, I'm not saying that we should all just, you know, look after everyone's stuff and make sure they don't have to take any responsibility for themselves. But what I'm saying is we are often too proud to say, I have need. We are often too proud to be honest and vulnerable and say, I'm struggling or I need help or... And then we don't get to do oneness properly. To try and do faith without doing intimacy and relationship and connection is like trying to be a soldier without an army or it's trying to be an orchestra when you have one instrument. It doesn't make the right noise. 
When we do faith together, we spur one another on, we encourage one another. So what does it mean for us to do that? What does it mean for us to be committed to one another, to love one another? What does it mean for us to encourage and spur one another on, to rush in unison together? And I want to encourage people who feel like you're on the outside to come on the inside. In the same way as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. I think in community, you have to do some of the effort to draw near. You have to be willing to open your life and your timetable and your wallet and your effort and your connection and your service and sacrifice. You have to draw near and then all of a sudden something beautiful can happen and that people can come around you. There is room in this family for more. And we have a responsibility to go and find our prodigals to go and reach out to the people who are on the fringe of our family and say, we miss you, we love you, how can we serve you? There is room in this family and there is room in this kingdom for more. So I want to encourage us to change our frame of reference. I'll wrap up with this. Uh, Because I think that we look at ourselves as an established church, even though we don't, You know, we have a projector. That's our only asset. Uh, You know, we don't have a lot of stuff, but I I think we have gotten used to the idea that we're here and we've stopped seeing ourselves as a church plant. We've stopped seeing ourselves as a missional organization. We've stopped seeing ourselves as a group of people that have to go and serve and sacrifice and give. And we've started kind of existing for the sake of our own membership. We have good news. Uh, I feel like the, the good news that I have today is better than the good news I've ever had before. We have good news to share and we have to go and invite people and draw people and help them to be part of this family. And that's radical and it's costly. In the, you know, as CJ said a few weeks ago, like the Romans, when Paul writes to them, he says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It cost them a great deal to make that confession because in Rome, Caesar was Lord. He was king. He was God. He was emperor. He ruled supreme. You offered to him. And so to make a proclamation that Jesus is Lord was a social and political statement of your allegiance to a different kingdom. But we don't recognize Caesar as king. We don't recognize our government and their rules and laws as the government of the kingdom of God. We don't recognize Hollywood as king. We don't recognize our university or our workplace as king. We recognize Jesus as king and Lord. And we are missionaries sent with a purpose to reach people and bring them into this radically different kingdom. And the good news is, is we don't have to do that through fear or manipulation or coercion. We do that with love and self-sacrifice. We do that through service and we do that with good news. Good news for the poor and good news for the asylum seeker and the refugee and good news for the people who are broken and hurting and ostracized and isolated. We have good news for the rich, wealthy, educated people that we generally exist with. We have good news for everyone. And we need to see ourselves as a, as a, like this is our staff meeting. This is not our main work. We don't exist for a Sunday. We exist for the mission. We don't have to carry around a distorted picture of God 
that we have found even from the Old Testament or from we found in our upbringing, in our family. We have a beautiful good news of a God who loves and serves and lays down his life for us. And we need to do a better job of sharing the good news. We need to be willing to serve and sacrifice and love. And that is costly. And we need to be willing to pay that price. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you set the standard and you set the example and you give everything, not just for a, a kingdom and not just for a family, but you give everything for a body. You give everything for a, a body and a bride that is doing its best to love and serve and sacrifice because we know you are, you are going to return. Heavenly Father, I pray you would inspire us to change our perspective uh, as a community, to one where we desire to serve in our communities, where we desire to sacrifice and bring people into this family and invite them into this temple, that they may be indwelt by your spirit as we are. Heavenly Father, I pray we would rush together in unison, be in one accord, that we would spur one another on for good deeds. I pray that you would give us hope, that you would give us joy, that you would give us peace, but you would give us vigour, that we wouldn't forget our first love. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would stop only seeing ourselves and our own worry and our own trouble and our own, but we would put those things aside for a moment and draw near to you. And remember who you are and what your mission is and your desire and your commission and command to us to love one another, to go and make disciples. night that Jesus was betrayed he gathered with his disciples and he and he um, he took a cup and he said this is my, my blood poured out for you and he took some bread and he said this is my body broken for you and, and take these things and do this again and remember me and so we have communion prepared for us uh, here and I pray that we would remember Jesus. Because I think it's easy to even come to church of all places and only think about ourselves. But let's take a moment to remember Jesus. See, it's just want to serve, serve this out for people. So there's some wafers and then I think there's gluten-free bread if you... Because the wafers have gluten, so...